just extraordinary what I saw, just the amount of tarpon and getting to see him in their own environment in this gin clear water. And I just felt like I was in an aquarium. You had me at tarpon. It's time for episode 54, brought to you by ReelsandTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Joseph Davies, who I guess you would say is coming to us from Park City, Utah, although he uh, seems to get around quite a bit. Uh, Joseph, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing very well and uh, really excited to uh, talk with you today. Um, I've been, uh, you know, we've kind of been communicating a little bit here over the past couple months and uh, I've been watching your Instagram and uh, we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Um, But before we get to what you've been doing here more recently with your fishing, uh, let's just kind of go back to the beginning and talk about you know, growing up and, you know, when you got into fishing and, you know, what kind of fishing you, uh, you started out doing? Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of got into fishing late. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, a, kind of an adrenaline junkie as, as a kid and, um, which was really unfortunate because, you know, I grew up in the great state of Wisconsin. There was a ton of fishing here. My grandpa was an avid am- uh, angler mm-hmm. and I just wasn't interested. I was, I was too busy wanting to run around and jump off the roof, um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until I was living in New Zealand that, um, we were so close to the ocean and I was a surfer and when the surf wasn't good, I wanted to find something to do on the ocean and yeah. I took up, uh, uh, like, uh, surf casting hmm, okay. and ended up, um, yeah, having a ton of fun fishing the ocean there, but never really got into fly fishing. Yeah. And it wasn't until about seven years ago, um, that I finally picked up a fly rod because I'm like, all right, I'm living in park city. I am within a half hour's drive of like three Epic rivers. You know, why am I not doing this? Yeah, so yeah. got my first fly rod, caught my first trout, and I was hooked. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I mean, not just the uh, beautiful scenery, but, you know, the thrill of the chase uh, on those kind of fish with a fly. That that must be pretty spectacular fishing out there. Yeah, and I really loved the fact that it was like this uh, little cat and mouse chess game, of, <laughs> right. you know, trying to really figure this out. And I, I did it all on my own, you know, oh, I, didn't, okay. I didn't really have any guidance mm-hmm. other than the internet right. and, you know, maybe a couple tips from the guys at the shop. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, you know... Um, I'm very proud that I'm still a fly fisherman because m- the amount of days I've gotten skunked is impressive. <laughs> yes, yeah, I hear that uh, even even the best of fly fishermen uh, can run into some finicky fish and, and have some pretty cold, wet 
uh, miserable strikeout days out there <laughs> trying to get yeah, well, the suckers I'm, to bite. I'm sh- it, it's funny. I'm shaking in my boots because I'm in Wisconsin, and the fly fishing here is totally different than the West. Hmm. And, um, yeah, there's like big steelhead in the rivers and yeah, it's going to be wild. I think, uh, I think it might be a little trickier than, than it seems. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about difference between the species that you might be looking at catching out there in the West, you know, that you've, uh, gone after traditionally versus, you know, like the steelhead and, and the other things you're, you're going to be targeting there in Wisconsin. Yeah. So um, <laughs> um, you're going to tell from the story that I, ha- that I have to tell uh, that I'm, I'm a little bit of a big fish junkie now. Mm. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the West, it was primarily trout, you know, your brown trout, your brooks, your, uh, you know, your rainbows and your cutthroats. Right. And that, that was really it. And, you know, I was like a self-proclaimed, you know, trout weenie i would have been just so <laughs> thrilled putting you know a little six inch trout on a three weight on a small stream um and i still am i absolutely love it you know but i definitely have gotten bitten by the 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 big fish bug and i right. um, here in milwaukee um in some of the tributaries off of lake michigan uh, they, yeah, they have steelhead and salmon and trout, apparently huge trout. Like, mm. um, yeah, I'm like going to be Euro nymphing with like two X line. I mean, it's really crazy. Oh, so in, in, in terms of the styles, I mean, you mentioned a three weight and so you, that you're using pretty, uh, light duty, uh, fly gear fishing out there in the West for most of those species. What's contrast that with, uh, what you're fishing with for some of these bigger species there in Wisconsin? Yeah, well, I've got a, um, 10 foot eight weight that I'm using, um, mm, okay. because there's, there is the possibility out here of hooking into, you know, a 20 pound fish. Wow. So, um, yeah, it is pretty exciting. The culture is a lot different here as um, as compared to the West. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as, um, what I'm kind of looking to do in Wisconsin, the, the ultimate goal is putting a muskie on a fly rod. Oh yeah. Now do you have to use a special leader and all for that? I mean, what, how do you set up for a muskie? It's, uh, you know, I, I know very little, um, to be perfectly honest. So I feel like much like my saltwater experience, um, I am just going to grin and bear it and get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to uh, make a f- few swings and misses before you uh, hit a home run, right? Yeah, yeah. They say it's the, uh, you know, kind of fish of a thousand casts. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, with a 10 weight, I can do a thousand, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A uh, 12 weight or something, it might get a little more, uh, a little more cumbersome to do that. But um, yeah. Yeah, that, I, in fact, I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody catching a muskie on a fly rod. That would that would be yet another cool story. We may have to have you come back and tell when uh, <laughs> if you get Absolutely. it done. Absolutely. If I put a muskie on a fly rod, that that may be the uh, the next biggest tale I have to tell. No kidding. That'll be the uh, the cream of the crop there. Um, yeah. 
So that's so excellent. So is the fishing there in Wisconsin, you know, when you're fly fishing, do you do you have to do that from a boat or is there opportunities for, you know, walking and stalking the shore? Yeah, I mean, they really have everything here. I mean, it's a little bit of kind of a hidden gem from what I've found out. Um, They've got small streams. They've got large tributaries. You know, they're right next to the Mississippi, and then it's this huge chain of lakes as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you, they've got, you know, small streams you can wade in. I mean, the first place I fished was the Milwaukee River right downtown. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it, it's going to be fun exploring the state for a little while. Yeah. Now, how about, um, bass, you know, a large mouth, small mouth, and, and, you know, particularly those species. Have you fished for them with poppers or done any of that kind of stuff on the fly? Not yet. And that's something, you know, obviously you would need a boat for. And as soon as that opportunity presents itself, that's another, you know, and walleye as well. I'd yeah. love to kind of put on the fly. I think they, they'd be a lot of fun. You know, I fished for those a little bit as a kid when they could sit me down for long enough. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, no, I think I, I like I said, I, I want to explore the waters that I grew up on. You know, I've kind of become a fisherman, mm-hmm. uh, instead of having grown up one. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's like just a really cool way to re-explore my past. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. And it, and I think you're coming right to the perfect time of year for it up there. It's, I, I'm assuming things are starting to thaw out a little bit. We're here in the end of uh, April. Um, yep. So yeah, don't don't have to uh, fly fish through the ice, I take it. Nope. No, no. <laughs> Although I did plenty of that through the winter. I, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I um, was on a, uh, gosh, I think seven week road trip through the West and wow. uh, Paid my dues, was sleeping in a tent, and yeah, had had uh, more than one incident of uh, losing a little skin on the fingers from fishing all day, but yeah. <laughs> and, and so, in, in the cold, you were fishing that, the cold oh, weather? Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. What, what do you do different when you're targeting fish uh, that time of year? I mean, obviously, they're going to be more lethargic and... Yeah, um, I was about to say, it's patience. Mm-hmm. man it's uh patience and putting in the time and you know using the right techniques knowing that you know you're probably it's probably going to be streamer fishing mm-hmm. and um a lot of nymphing um and yeah just trying to put yourself in water that would make sense and have you know the lowest current at the bottom and try to get your flies down low right and so are you are you able to see fish in this time of year? You know, are they in deeper pools where you can't really tell whether they're there or not? Or are you kind of sight casting? It really all depends on the river, to be honest, Mm -hmm. um, and how deep it is. You know, I think sometimes you're looking at pools and you can't necessarily see them. Mm -hmm. Um, But you go to somewhere like uh, the Frying Pan or the Roaring Fork in Colorado, and it's, you know, gin clear and... Um, yeah, you can just see fish in the middle of winter. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that always helps. Well, <laughs> at least let you know where to fish. It doesn't necessarily... Uh... Yeah, at least let you know they're there. <laughs> right, right. Not that they always want to bite, but... Uh, yeah. Wow. So what are, you know, as you think back over all these uh, 
cool places you've fly fished. What are, you know, maybe your one or two that, you know, just kind of atop your list and kind of blew you away? Oh, wow. That, that one is a, a tough one. I have a really special place in my heart for the Green River mm-hmm. um, in Utah. Okay. Um, just the uh, amount of fish and, you, and you're going through this canyon. There's weight options. Floating it is so much fun. Um, yeah, the, the Green River is always going to be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the Madison um, up in Montana. Um, okay. I camped there for, I think, four or five days in some of the coldest weather that <laughs> I had all winter. But, yeah, it was just gorgeous and a great, great waterway. Wow. Yeah. So when you go out there, are you are you able to camp right there by the river or do you have a campsite, you know, kind of remote from the river well, and then you m- hike? Yeah, in? most of it runs right. Th- there are some campsites that are right on the river, but mm-hmm. that was kind of my goal was that I wanted to open my vestibule every morning and like hear the river and see yeah. it and be a part of it. And yeah, that was that was a cool experience up on the Madison. Oh, yeah, I bet. Wow. As, as you're saying, I bet it was some spectacular scenery up there as well. Yeah. I, Montana's so beautiful. I mean, yeah, it doesn't get much, much better than that. And of course, the snake. I mean, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> everything in the West is gorgeous. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I understand we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, saltwater here on our yeah, second half. Yeah, absolutely nothing to do about trout. Right. But maybe just as a segue to that before we go to our break, uh, you mentioned the surf casting in New Zealand, and I don't yeah. believe we've talked to anybody who's uh, who's fished in New Zealand yet on the show that I recall. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and you know what kind of species you were able to catch and you know, what it was like living there and doing that? Ah, uh, well, yeah, New Zealand is always kind of going to be home to me. It's such a special country. And, you know, not only does it have world-class trout fishing, it's got, you know, world-class ocean fishing as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they protect a lot of their water, so it's not really pressured and, and fished hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, we were primarily going after snapper, um, and then we caught a lot of kawai and trevally. Um, but yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was primarily snapper. Okay, and you you say you were catching those right from the beach then? Yep, right from the beach. We uh, we had some yeah. Uh, really cool spots where we would have to climb down bluffs to get down to deep holes. <laughs> and yeah, it was, uh, New Zealand is a very interesting landscape. I mean, you go from the North of the North Island, that's, you know, virtually tropical to the South of the South Island. That's, you know, mountainous and cold. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the pictures I've seen are just, again, spectacular scenery and, um, yeah, it, it seems like they definitely have it all. Great freshwater uh, opportunities and saltwater opportunities. Yeah, I bet that was a lot of fun. 
It really was. And I've, um, you know, I've lived over all over the world and I've traveled all over the world. And I think New Zealand is the one country that lives up to the hype. You know, <laughs> it has this reputation and it lives up to it. Yeah. Well, any other, uh, any other spots on the on the travels? I mean, other than the one we're going to talk about here uh, in a minute, but uh, just any others that come to mind where you've had a chance to do some good fishing? Um, you know, I I really haven't started the whole kind of uh, travel fishing adventure fishing thing, but it's uh, I think I'm moving in that direction. I'm going back <laughs> to Costa Rica um, in September to mm-hmm. do some more tarpon fishing, and uh, yeah, um, the Central American countries are definitely on my radar, and would love to get. Um, into the Indian ocean, like everybody else in the world. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Central American countries are really cool and offer a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different types of fishing. And obviously Cuba would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, actually talked with, uh, Don Freshy, host of the, uh, sport fishing on the fly and his epic stories, uh, came from tarpon fishing in Cuba. So that was, that was pretty amazing to hear. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. That would, that would definitely be a, an, on an angler's uh, dream list <laughs> if you could, yeah. if you could get there. Um, yeah. in South America, man, that's, that's definitely on my radar and hoping to get down there, uh, before too long and get after some of those species. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, you've you've teased us with some uh, South American saltwater yep. fishing, so <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get right into that. So stay tuned. Our merch shop is now open for business. We have shirts, stickers, and much more, all sporting our signature microfish logo, or tons of other cool fishing designs from independent artists, and all at great prices. Go to www.tell.fish slash merch to check it out. Okay, we are back with Joseph Davies and have been talking, really, fly fishing all around the world. Um, well, fishing all around the world from New Zealand to uh, to America, the Midwest, and uh, up in Wisconsin now where you're currently chasing after uh, all kinds of new species and things. But uh, I have seen from your Instagram that you recently took an epic trip down to Costa Rica, you said it was, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, yeah. We went to a uh, lodge called Tarpenville in Manzanillo. So, I mean, it's literally the last stop before you hit Panama um, okay. on the Caribbean coast. And um, I went there with um, one of my uh, sponsors, Dupafish, and they had set up this six-day trip. And on the second day, um, I was like, you know, wow, this place is pretty nice. I think I might stay. And on the third day, I made a <laughs> phone call to the airline and canceled my ticket. Um, <laughs> So, but my goal really was to put the saltwater game together. You know, um, I had kind of seen all the videos online. Um, you know, it was something that was really appealing to me, but I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I showed up, um, yeah, I was, (laughs) I showed up not knowing how to double haul. 
you know, and <laughs> yeah. um, that's an absolutely critical skill um, mm. for the salt water. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about, you know, uh, you know, this freshwater fisherman just absolutely out of his element, but immediately I loved it, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. On the first day of the boat, I ended up catching a big jack and I was just hooked, you know? Oh, and, yeah. Um, so, and it was really fun for me to be back on the ocean um, as a fly fisherman going about catching fish in a totally different manner. Right. And um, I had caught uh, tarpon before, um, uh, you know, caught a, caught a 90 pound tarpon um, on spinning gear, but was really determined that I was going to be able to do this on a fly rod. Mm -hmm. And before this, I had casted nothing heavier than a five weight. <laughs> really? Wow. And yeah. So needless to say, this 12 weight that I was uh, lent was, um, yeah, felt like an absolute two by four in my hand. Yeah, like a telephone pole or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so we had, um, you know, I was starting to figure it out and catch some fish on the flats on my own. And um we had hooked into some big jacks um, and, you know, caught, caught some trigger fish and finally hooked into some decent sized tarpon. And, um, but it, we started off with really rough conditions and um, having known that I was going to stay indefinitely, um, <laughs> uh, Mark Martin, the owner of the lodge was like, Hey man, the seas are really going to lay down and you're going to see what this fishery is capable of. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got to, and it was really, uh, just extraordinary what I saw, just the amount of tarpon and getting to see them like in their own environment, um, in this gin clear water in Costa mm -hmm. Rica. I mean, I just felt like I was in an aquarium Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, we had we had hooked into a lot of big tarpon, but anything kind of over 120 pounds, um, I had gotten broke off on, and right. wasn't wasn't able to land. And um, what kind of made this story so cool was after I had caught several tarpon, I wanted to do it on a fly that I tied. Mm -hmm. um, because I was like, that would really kind of put the whole whole package together, you know, like I was able to figure out the pattern and, you know, the, um, the way that you retrieve and the set. And, um, I wanted to put it all together on my own. And, uh, I was able to do that, um, on, on our last day. So our morning session was just absolutely dead. We didn't see anything and we had rolled into Panama and kind of come back and yeah, just kind of, it was dead, but we, we had gotten reports every day that, you know, it was heating up late in the afternoon mm, okay. and it was literally my last day in the afternoon with about, uh, two hours left. We started seeing tarpon rolling and, um, we, uh, went to one spot that we had kind of frequented, um, just on the Panamanian border um, called Sixola and it was on, I mean, there were tarpon everywhere. And, wow. um, 
yeah, I absolutely knew I was going to hook up into one. And uh, it was just a matter of picking one that I could get a really good shot at and get a good hook set. And um, as we had shut off the engine, the boat's creeping towards this school of tarpon. And the tarpon are just out of my reach. You know, they're 90 feet away. I can cast 80 feet, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And there there was no way for me to get them. Uh, So we were really patient, just waiting for our shots. And all of a sudden, I saw behind the boat um, a tarpon probably at 40 feet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the boat was 20 feet long. All I had to do was make a 60 foot cast. I got this. And, um, Hiro, my guide, it was just him and I, um, yeah, I literally just said Hiro duck and, you know, like almost like hitting a perfect golf shot. You know, I just put that like (laughs) money cast out there and two strips. And then I pulled as hard as I could into what felt like a Mack truck. I bet, Um, yeah. I mean, this thing ripped the line out of my hand, and I was on the reel and in my backing, you know, before I had my wits about me. And um, it was just an absolutely amazing fight. And I knew that I got a good hook set because he had uh, jumped in the waves. um, And there was a lot of pressure on the line and I, he didn't break off. So I was mm-hmm. pretty confident that we were, um, and I was running a strong leader. I was confident we were going to get this one to the boat. So, um, however, we were really close to the surf at this point. Um, Ooh, okay. So we were, you know, basically having to loosen my drag and then winch ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, of trouble so that you could then fight the fish, but it's in this wave surge. So you, you know, you might get a little bit of line, but then it, you just all of a sudden hear your drag and it's, you know, you're like, Oh God, there goes another five, six minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, so it, it took a, about a half hour for us to get him out of the waves. And it was a little bit luck as well, because he made this big left turn and started pulling us into a safe area. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're in these <laughs> small, like, kind of dugout boats, and, uh, yeah, it probably didn't take much to, uh, to pull us, but, yeah, ended up moving us into a safe area where we got the, we got the fish to the boat um, in about 50 minutes. Um, so we finally saw it roll in front of the boat and we knew that, yeah, this was definitely bigger than, than a hundred, the biggest one that Hiro and I had seen at that point. And, um, it, uh, then proceeded to circle the boat for another hour and a half. We had this fish like within 50 feet of the boat, for an out, we leadered it 11 times before we could get hands on it because <laughs> we'd go for the leader and it would just shake and jump. And then, you know, we're like, same thing, like, oh, there's another 10 minutes. <laughs> and, um, you know, but so he makes another run on me and I'm like, oh, goodness, this is getting out of control. And, um, 
I all of a sudden am really deep into my backing. And then I'm really deep into I've never, you know, I was a trout fish. I had never been in my backing before. Right, um, right. Before this. And uh, um, I look back at, at Hiro. I'm like, Hiro, how, how much backing do I have left? And he's like, 150 feet, man. You're totally fine. And um, I'm like, all right, so I'm fighting this fish. And uh, he's taking more line. And uh, I'm like, Hiro, how much do I have left? And he's like, I'd get working on it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we cranked him down and got him back to the boat, and he was well tired by then. And, yeah, finally um, leaded him, landed him, and, yeah, got to put uh, hands on what was a uh, 160-pound fish. Wow, 160 pounds on the fly. Yeah. Man, that's incredible. And what, what weight rod was that you were using? A 12. A 12. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I was, would, uh, I, and I, and you know, I was lucky enough to have been given a a very nice, very nice rod, and uh, yeah, I think uh, the gear certainly helped. <laughs> right, yeah. you know, rods and reels help uh, with uh, fish that size. No kidding. And, and when he made that crazy run that took you way into your backing, that that yeah. was already after that fifty minutes when you first got him to the boat. I mean, you're yeah. you're more than an hour into the fight and he does that, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, wow. um, he had no intention of giving up easily. And, <laughs> no uh, kidding. what actually was, uh, getting scary was the sun was going down mm-hmm. and we didn't have lights on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, w- yeah, there was, uh, some aggressive fighting near the end. You know, I was, we we were certain that we had a good hook set, so we could really crank on him and fight him hard near the end after he made that run. Um, so yeah, we tired him out, and just to have that moment with a fish that size after a fight that long um, was very cathartic. Oh yeah, oh I bet. And you and you must have been just totally sped. I mean, especially after that first half hour where you're probably trying not to get thrown out of the boat, rocking in the waves, and yeah, that must have been pretty intense. Yeah, you know, it, I, I physically it it wasn't that bad. It was more, I think, of a a mental battle and the fear of losing this fish because, you know, that was kind of the goal and you know i wanted to do it on my own fly and catch Mm -hmm. you know a trophy fish on my own fly and i think it was more of i was so worried about (laughs) you know him shaking the hook or me doing something ridiculous and putting too much tension on him and losing him well in especially as you say at the end there because you've got that added pressure of uh getting the fight over while you still have light and can get back safely. And so, yeah, like you're saying, you're putting more pressure on the fish and that's always scary. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) and it was funny. Hiro mentioned as, you know, like I had hands on this fish and I'm kind of working him, you know, working his energy back into him and make sure that, you know, he's good and strong before we release him. But he then proceeds to tell me about all the sharks in the area 
uh, that yeah. really love weak tarpon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, uh, I was like, oh, great. So, you know, I think I spent uh, probably six minutes, you know, working the life back in, into this uh, quite tired fish and, uh, yeah, in some pretty sharky water, apparently. Yeah, and that's another reason not to uh, do an after dark uh, release of a of a tarpon like that. You never know, Mike, <laughs> what might come right up to the boat. <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried about that, but it was such a magical moment that yeah, that, oh, yeah. that was the last thing on my mind. Yeah, and it sounds like there were no sharks around at the time, and everything went smoothly with the release and all. And yeah, um, oh, wow, that's well, that's just the. Uh, the cherry on top, you know, to be able to have that kind of an epic fight and then see that amazing creature swim off safely like that. Yeah. And, and to think that like the biggest fish I had ever caught on a fly rod was a couple pounds on a five weight, you know, <laughs> to going from that to, you know, staying in Costa Rica for five weeks until you, you know, really become a, a much more proficient saltwater fisherman yeah i mean it it sounds like it's almost a totally different style of fishing i mean they're both fly fishing but really they're kind of worlds apart in the way you have to approach the fish and and uh absolutely and like i said i was i'm sorry for the terrible pun but i was a fish out of water i had Mm -hmm. no idea what i was doing yeah um so yeah to yeah, to have put in the work and, you know, really spent the time. And, yeah, that was it was fun for it all to come together at the last moment. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you said when you first approached that pod of fish that yeah. you could just tell you were going to get a bite. I'm, I, and I'm just curious, you know, over that few weeks that you had gotten to know and study and learn about tarpon, did yeah. you— kind of start to get a sixth sense for when these fish are active and ready to feed and when they're just, you know, not even going to turn their nose at your lure, you know? Uh, yes and no. I think it's certainly a better sense, but I wouldn't call myself, you know, an expert by any means. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that when you're fishing with confidence, um, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a, a lot of uh, competitive fly fishermen talk about fishing with confidence and having confidence colors. And um, yeah, I had my confidence color on, and I, you know, <laughs> I was feeling good about my fly. And yeah, I just it, there were just so many of them, and they they appeared to be actively feeding. We knew that mm. there was a small amount of bait around, so that you know, you weren't likely to have too much bait that they're, they're not going to take yours. Um, so yeah, I, I just, you could just tell, I don't know what it was. Yeah. I've had days where tarpon were playing jump rope with my fishing line, just swimming over and under and all around and, and other boats all around and nobody could get a bite, you know, and they're one of the most, I guess frustrating fish there is because you know they're just they're just hard to figure out sometimes. Oh yeah, and and that's what I loved about them, you know. And um, yeah, it was actually yeah kind of funny. I got ended up getting a, a 
a big tarpon tattoo because uh, <laughs> I was absolutely mesmerized by them. I mean, they're yeah. just these beautiful creatures and difficult to fish. And yeah, the first big fish that um, that I fought. And now I'm addicted to big fish and the salt. So yeah. I'm, I'm plotting my way to get down to Florida and get down to Sanibel Island and do some fly fishing there and oh yeah yeah go back to uh Costa Rica in September yeah I was gonna say you already got the next trip planned out yeah yeah I'm I'm a total junkie for it now <laughs> yeah well and another thing you'll probably love down there in Sanibel is uh fly fishing for snook on the beach ah uh, so yeah, my that that's really one of my big goals is the the snook run in uh, is it August? Well, it, it it's actually a little earlier than that. Um, I think it starts earlier, um, at least down down south there. I think it starts a little earlier. I go up towards um, uh, Tampa Bay. And really, kind of June, end of June, July is gotcha. the peak months there. So it, it varies depending on where you are along the coast. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I basically plan my whole vacation around that snook time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my my grandfather was a big angler, and uh, snook was definitely his fish. So oh, it's, yeah. it's something that I have to participate in. Yeah, I, I've heard other people say this, and I think it's probably true for me, too. If I could pick only one fish, snook just might be the one. I mean, because the way they, you know, jump and the way they fight, and they're oftentimes just as finicky as, as tarpon are. Yeah. Um, man, they are they are a blast. But uh, Well, I am really looking forward to getting into some. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have no doubt that uh, you're gonna make that happen so <laughs> yeah um, now now that you're a saltwater pro so <laughs> yeah yeah right the uh the the trout weenie turns saltwater <laughs> dog <laughs> hey if it's if it's pulling on the end of the line it's it's my favorite fish you know i that's right I you know they're they're all good but there's there's definitely something about tarpon there's no doubt about that yeah cool well joseph man um some incredible uh, uh, fishing adventures you've had, and uh, most especially just uh, right here recently, you know, culminating the, in that epic tarpon trip and, you know, a final uh, day, uh, big tarpon on your own fly. Man, just incredible stuff. And uh, I'm just uh, so thankful you came on today and shared that with us. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. This is a great time. Do you have an epic fishing story to tell? We want to hear it. Go to tell.fish slash guest in your browser and sign up to become a fishing legend today. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.